Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, a mentally meandering monstrosity of murmuring about mid-table Norwich. I'm Tom, and alongside John, we have two more debutants on this week's pod. Hannah, off of The Times, and Paul, off of The Guardian. We'll link to them properly on the socials, don't you worry. Uh, Today, we're going to run through the Bournemouth game, talk about some transfer news, look ahead to the Derby game, uh, and of course, review that very, very sexy new shirt. First, let's look at the Bournemouth game. Uh, we were very, very devoid of creative uh, spark at the weekend, wouldn't you say, John? Any any particular reasons for that? I think you could probably look at the lineup. To be perfectly honest with you, I mean, yeah, the obvious reason, the obvious mitigation is that the two most creative players um, were either having some kind of shit fit, or you know, attitudinally, probably weren't um, up for playing, or you know, kind of fucker didn't think they were they were going to be at their optimum, and, and that's interesting because actually. Fark has made comments before about the fact that Emmy has to be really on it to be effective. And if he's kind of just below his levels, then he's really not. Um, but my main bugbear was that we had a creative force on the bench in the form of Mario Vrancic. And we had another, you would probably argue, slightly more creative um, and different player that had been left at home in Marco Steeperman. I understand he was taking it or he'd had some kind of knock, but... It just seemed really bizarre in terms of a team selection. And I wonder whether we were we would have been happy with a draw. We would have been happy to to kind of grind something out. Um, because it just didn't seem like offensively that Farker had set us up to to be as effective as we can be. I think when you've got Onel Hernandez and um I don't know how still don't really know how we say his name, so I'm gonna go Poeta, I think. Um with those two they're very similar you know kind of in terms of pace merchants and and it looks like both of them their end product is is perhaps a little bit more battering ram style rather than kind of um you know kind of pick the pick the lock to the door so i don't know i think farker i don't think you can blame farker for for you know kind of potentially leaving out todd and and emmy and i'm sure we'll come on to that in in very great depth before long but I don't know. I think he could have just done a little bit better with the starting lineup. It's interesting you say about the um, leaving those two creative people out. That's obviously what uh, where the question was headed. Um, from a stats point of view, to, to have sixty four percent possession um, over the course of a game away from home, uh, you really would expect to to have a bit more to to show for it in terms of goals. Now, shots wise, creating fourteen and five of those on target that that's that's a fine return from from sixty four percent possession. Um, but Hannah, did you did you feel that? Uh, Norwich were were lacking in the creative department and it was how brave do you think it was to leave your two ostensibly most creative players at home because of to use John's term a shit fit yeah I mean yes um we were clearly lacking lacking something in that department um I do think it was a brave decision I I mean like you say I'm sure we'll get onto this later but I I agree with it. I agree to that. I think it, it was the right call from from what Farker said. I mean, we don't know if we're getting the full story there, but um, you know, I think, like you say, Emmy is is that kind of player that has happened before, where he hasn't been been kind of one hundred percent at it, and he does need kind of handling a bit. Um, so yeah, I think it probably was the right call. I wonder. I don't know if kind of Farker was expecting something a bit different from Bournemouth because. Maybe he was expecting them to to kind of be a bit more a bit more attacking or go for it a little bit more. Um, because I definitely you know in the second half they definitely sat sat back quite a bit. And that's when we really missed having that um, you know, that kind of attacking 
uh, that figure like Emmy or, or Kamal who can just kind of make those make things happen. Um, that, but was I, you know, that was a concern for me. The, that was a concern yeah. for me that that what it felt like to me, and I, I mentioned this after the the, the Preston game um, again as well. It was Bournemouth played like a set of game managers, um, and that was you know in, in our successful Championship Farker season, um, you couldn't really play game management against us because we would grind you out, and eventually we'd pick pick the pass and, and pick the lock. And um, if you don't have that ability on the pitch, or or we don't have them for long enough on the pitch, going back to John's point about Vrancic, um, who I think we had created more chances after he came on than than beforehand, or rather he did. Um, yeah, you know, that, that 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 for me it was it was a brave thing to lead them out, and not, it's a worry for me that what looked like a fairly toothless Bournemouth team um, were able to to, to manage us. Uh, Paul, what's your thought on on airing your dirty linen in public, like the way that Farker seems to have wanted to do? I mean, I wasn't over the moon about the fact that he laid into um, Eda after his first league goal. He, he had some comments after the after the game to try and keep him grounded, I guess. But then now he's come and done the same thing with, with with Todd and Emmy. How how well do you think that's going to go down so early in a in a young season? It's an interesting question, and I think to a certain extent, how it goes down, um, if people are questioning his decisions as the makeup of the team, then I think that's neither here nor there. I think what's more important is whether the players get the message that he wants them to get, which is, I want you to change your attitude while you're here. Um, but I think the point you make that, you know, doing it twice in such quick succession, having not really had to do it for a while, but obviously, you know, the very beginning of his career, he, he, he had to engage with his player and their attitude publicly in Nelson Oliveira. Um, doing it twice in quick succession, yeah, that, that, that does suggest that uh, you there is some uh, concern that's a bit deeper than just, you know, a one-off thing on a one-off day. Um, there are there's sort of the odd conspiracy bit about it, isn't there? Because he said that Buendia was, you know, fit to fit to play on the Friday, but then um, you know something happened in the next 24 hours when suddenly he wasn't, you know, to be considered at all. So did they meet? Did they talk on the Saturday? Did he hear something from the agent? We don't we don't know. Um, but I, I I think it's you know nobody wants that extra drama, but I think it's also inevitable that coming down getting to the end of a, a transfer window, there's going to be a bit of stress and strain on this team because, you know, in some way or another, they were going to expect transition this year. And the scale of it, you know, was never quite determined. And obviously, you know, two or three weeks ago, it looked like we, you know, we're going to have to ship 15 players out on loan just to creep under the, the squad limitations. But now it looks like, you know, potentially you could, you could lose a handful more. Um, and that 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 is a difficult change in sort of dynamic, not just with players leaving and stuff, but also kind of how the other players who are staying think about what's happening. So you know, I think it does put stress on Farker and, and his squad management. But I, 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 if it's the case that these two guys have, have sort of not shown in training or worse, have thrown their toes out of the pram, you know, I'll back the manager entirely not to pick them and and to talk about it in public because it's important. I think it's odd the chronology of it is very odd because if, if it is as you, it did seem very, very positive and the club socials were putting, you know, putting pictures of, of Emmy with his thumbs up, well, you know, all ready to go. And then he was in the third kit. Yeah. And, and well, yeah, there was an, apparently there was a, another reason that there was a whole bunch, there was a bit of a mix up and a whole bunch of 
players weren't available that they're expecting to or something. I, although I didn't, didn't really get to the, the bottom of that, that story. I heard that about fourth hand. Um, but the, but what's, what's odd is I don't understand why you would say that and then immediately retract back on it and say that it's to do with attitude because you would think unless he did something really, really bad on the Saturday. But then if you're going to make something up to cover up the fact that it's transfer or if it's something that you don't want to make public, then just say he's picked up a knock, say he's, say he's feeling a tightness in his groin. You know, there, there are loads of things that you, um, that, that I think are preferable. It's preferable to make out like you've got a slightly un, un, uh, suspicious sounding injury than it is to public. I have a problem with managers publicly calling out players unless, unless it is proper relationship over territory. I just don't think that's the way it should be done. And I, I've always like because I feel that the from a man management point of view, when you hear from players uh, the way that that uh, how how some players will can maybe be galvanised by that, but how some players will effectively be a bit resentful of that. And when you uh, the reason I mentioned to you, Paul, in my question about it being early in the season, you know we are trying to build. This, these, this is the time of the season where you're building that siege menta- mentality. You're, you're trying to drill in whatever values and brand messages you're trying to get across, you know, the new stuff that you've got plastered across the changing room wall, etc. This is the time for, for real, real togetherness to build that spirit going into the long campaign. And I just, I just think that surely there, there could have been a better way of handling that, especially the Eden but, stuff. But I think you should I, consider, I mean, I think, sorry, sorry, Hannah, go on. No, so oh, I was just going to really quickly say I didn't perceive the Eda thing as that at all. I perceived it as him um, paying him a compliment. I thought he was saying, you know, oh, I had this word with him in training, and look how well he's responded. I'm really pleased with him. You know, I didn't see it as him um, publicly calling Eda out at all. I thought he was saying, you know, I was, I was really pleased that he has this this aspect to him, and that he takes this, you know, comments on board, and that he improves. So I'm not sure I'd lump that in with the Todd and Emmy stuff, but I don't know. Maybe that was maybe that was just me. It might be the, and the, the point. The, the point, the point I just so wanted close. to make. Go on, the point I wanted to make just quickly was that um, you know it, it, it's not necessarily in terms of the point you make about squad building. It could be a message to the squad who's still there. You know, this is the sort of behaviour that we're not going to tolerate in this group. And also, the rest of the squad might be like, "Oh, these guys are giving up tools. They want to leave." And that, what does how does that reflect on the rest of us? And he's saying, "Well, I'm with you." You know, there's there's, there's a variety of different messages that could be trying to be conveyed whether they are or not that's a, I think that's a really good in point. that paul i think that i think there is something in that and, and i think a point that, that i touched on when i reviewed the match um on sunday evening for, for the website was that farker's really deliberate in what he says so if you look at farker when he gives his press conference and then his interviews with radio norfolk and then his club interviews nearly everything he says to the word is exactly the same like it's amazing isn't it amazing genuinely thinks he genuinely thinks about what he's going to say and i've heard him say it before sometimes like what's the some of the most difficult stuff about man management and he's genuinely thinking during a game about what am i going to say to the players at halftime and what am i going to say to the media after the game and i thought i've never really heard a coach kind of approach things in that way or at least be you know that open about about what he's going to you know you're right he comes up he comes up with the script in his head At Absolutely. the end of the game. And I think and Stuart Webber does that to an extent as well. I think they're, I yeah. think they're a double act um, in that respect. Yeah. And I think Farker is that deliberate. And so I think that he potentially, I think he, he potentially may feel like it's either one of two things for me. The first is that he can get the fans on board from what he potentially sees as inevitable departures with those two players. So look, it's their attitude. It stank. 
so I, you know, I dropped them and now they're gone. Look, don't worry about it. Um, or two, he thinks he can elicit a reaction out of those two players. And, and actually, I don't know, with Emmy, he kind of, that fiery South American spirit, maybe if you give him a bit of a kick that, you know, he will kind of come back and say, look, I'll prove you wrong. So He's done it yeah, before, I, hasn't he, with him? Yeah, so. I think Farker's really measured about the way in which he does that and he does it in different ways for different players. So, yeah, I, I think he's thought about that. It's a definite, deliberate action. So we kind of covered the the Emmy and, and Toddy gate. Just going back to the the uh, the Bournemouth game, um, we've talked about the game management uh, that Bournemouth seemed to be uh, almost in shit house mode from relatively early on, um, and they they really did manage manage us quite well. I, I I thought what was really interesting though was a very unfark first hour in how many mm. balls into the box we were we were flinging um and going back to you what you were saying john about having the right personnel how much of that was sit- situational um and how much of that was was deliberate um if we're going to be putting in that kind of service we had the wrong striker up front wouldn't you say i'd completely agree with that um and it kind of, that kind of worried me that stylistically it, it seems like all of the football that i've watched this season there's a there's a bit of a departure from from what made us really, really great in the championship before. And what worried me about Sunday in particular was the fact that we didn't have a, a number 10. And so there was no one naturally to link the play. So, you know, when we were, when it was, you know, kind of um, Poeta or Hernandez or Kenny McLean kind of picking up the ball in midfield, there was no one to just kind of fizz it into who would then subsequently be on the half turn and be looking for, for Pukki, which is kind of how we'd scored so many goals, you know, in the first half of the Premier League and, and you know, in that championship campaign. So if I think, I think if we're going to have a departure stylistically and we're going to be looking at wingers and Contia, you know, kind of throwing balls in the box, we probably do need to look at someone like Hugo or potentially Ida leading the line. And maybe, you know, if we haven't got another number 10, maybe putting Puki in the number 10 role, because he's, he's kind of played that role before for, for Finland. And he, he played that role initially off Jordan Rhodes when he first joined the club. So I think he's capable of it. Um, I don't really want to see us go down that route, if I'm particularly honest. I think we've got enough people who could play in a number 10 role. Um, but, you know, I'm not picking the team, so... Well, I think you're right that it's... Well, one, you're right, you're not picking the team. Um, but I think you're right that we don't necessarily want to go down that route. And I, I've got no problem with Pukki getting the, getting the nod to be the starting striker, the starting nine, if you like. Um, however, we didn't seem... The rest of the team didn't seem to get the, the memo that it was Timo that was up front. Um, so, 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 Hannah, stylistically, how much do you think that, that the team might be ready for that shift into a more the championship direct wing. I mean, certainly the recruitment seems to be pushing us more down, down the wing of route. How, how much do you think that is a, a conscious effort on their part? Um, I, I'm sure it is one. Um, and I think, I think it's a really, this is a really difficult season in that sense, because we have got this, you know, the, our last championship season, a couple of years ago to co- compare it to, and that was, you know, a kind of one-off out of this world, uh, amazing season where we had this incredible style of play and it was really fun to watch and you know we could just score at will and uh, and everyone I think almost expects or wants to go back to that because they think well that's how we won the championship last time and it would be great <laughs> if we could do that again um, but I think you know having had the season in the Premier League clearly that that style doesn't work in the Premier League and if now we've kind of got these two different 
not necessarily different, but these two simultaneous goals where we, we want to get promoted again. But uh, if that does happen, we then want to have a team that is capable of putting up, you know, more of a fight um, and is more solid and, and isn't just about kind of free flowing, super fun, uh, scoring a lot, but also conceding a lot. You know, we can't, we know now we can't take that, that into the Premier League. So I think there's kind of this weird, slightly Frankenstein-y situation going on where, where Farker is trying to come up with a solution to that. So that's why maybe, you know, we have brought in players who, who maybe are a little bit different. Um, and it suggests we are going in a slightly different direction. But I think it's really tricky working out how to fit those players into our existing style. Um, and I think, I think that's one of the kind of... I think this is a really tricky season. I think that's that's one of the most difficult things, and one of the things that I think fans will, will struggle with quite a lot as well, because we all want to see that again. You know, we we loved um, we loved seeing Puki uh, and score all those goals, but I just don't think that's going to happen again. Um, and I think it's going to be a difficult a difficult few few weeks, possibly, while that kind of while we get to grips with that. And of course, you know, we're not even sure what players we're going to have uh, for the for the rest of the season so it's a tricky one it is interesting that if stylistically there is a a belief that we need to have a, a more um more compacted style which does seem to we seem to be moving up and down as an entire unit a bit more and it's it is tricky to get that um sense because obviously i haven't seen it from the stands this season yet so I, you know it, it, you're only you're seeing what i follow allows you to see you know we'll have the sky camera work on 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 Sunday, which hopefully, uh, sorry, Saturday, which hopefully will, will give us a bit more of a view. But it, it's it's it's. I think that that would be an incredible. I mean, if that if if we do have that, Hannah, that's going to look like an incredible shout in in two or three months' time. If they are thinking that long term, but that's going to go right down to the academy because they make such a massive deal about the fact that everything that's being taught from the under eights upwards is all Farkball, um, and they put in all these cameras so that they can oversee that everything is being taught the correct way. So if if we are going to be having that more. Um, sort of agricultural you know that's been a bit a bit harsh style um, and, and being a bit more difficult to beat then it sounds like a really positive and sensible thing for them to do but they, they, that's going to mean they're going to have to change the whole style of, of the entire club away from from that philosophy um paul just before we kind of move on to the the derby game um there's obviously been a bit more transfer speculation we've, we've touched on on todd and emmy um, what what do you make of the uh, the Fulham and Everton interest in in Ben Godfrey? It seems like that one is at least starting at a price that um, sounds like more of a goer than the, the previous links that we've heard. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> first off, just to say, I think what Hannah's saying just then is really interesting, and uh, I think it, that, that, that it could be a hard season. I think is because it, it'd be good for people to bear in mind because uh, if we can come through the hardships and do well then it'd be a really good achievement and hopefully have more in our locker as a result but um yes i mean i think tonight the story that everton have have made an offer that must be in the ballpark of what norwich city would consider um to accept um or at least you know to have a negotiation about um over ben godfrey is uh suggests to me that you know given we've still got what four or five days to go that um, actually even longer than that because of the domestic extension. Mm. So it goes on the way, you know, there's a long time for this to, to actually, you know, to draw out all the interest that might be there in the market and see, and see what happens. So, I, I, you know, I, I think it's always been likely that Ben Godfrey would leave if he could. 
um, just because, you know, he's obviously got um, ambition and, you know, has ambitious agents and I think, you know, does have a set of skills that, that are quite, um, you know, that pace at centre-half, I think, you know, quite rare in, um, quite rare in uh, English centre-halves. And, um, you know, all that talk we've been having about a left-footed centre-back to play alongside him, um, you know, I think a lot of the talk about some of the big clubs in the Premier League is they can't find right-footed centre or right-sided centre-backs. So he could fit a bill for, you know, I think he has a, the prospect of a really good career in front of him. Personally speaking, I don't think he's there yet. And I, I would, if I was advising him, I'd recommend he stay another year at Norwich because I think he could be the dominant partner in any um, defensive unit we have. And he could really prove his consistency over, over a period of time because I think he was exposed quite often in the Premier League. You know, he did a lot of good things and I still, I still sort of am partly of the, the school of thought that would like to see him as a, a, a central midfielder. Um, I think, you know, we've got Skip now who, who can do that job very effectively, I'm sure. Um, but I did want to see him a bit last year because every time he advances out of the defence, I kind of get really excited. And that's another thing he's got, that, that great ability in that area. Um, but yeah, I think he was exposed a bit uh, in terms of you know, people running across him at set pieces, you know, sort of positionally, I think he, he, could, he, he, he could be reasonably well relied upon to sort of make an error or two a game. And he quite often got caught out um, despite his pace, um, because of the intensity of those matches. So I think he's got a bit to prove, which might be why, you know, the hopes of, he might be, you know, a 50 plus million pound player really, but he needs to have a bit of stuff ironed out of him yet. The, the, looking at the, what I would say um, from a coaching, uh, sorry, from an agent point of view or, or a minder of him would be that if he was going to go this, this window, Everton looks like a really attractive place to go and play football at the moment. And um, the way that they, the way that they seem to be being coached, the way that they've started. Um, and also some of the, some of the caliber of, of defender that they've currently got, it, it looks like he wouldn't necessarily be thrown in straight away. Um, and he's got the likes of Michael Keane to, um, to kind of play alongside and learn from. Um, so, you know, I, I would. Does he say, need to be? Does he need to be a squad player now, or does he need to be yeah, playing I, every oh, week? I think As he a, needs to play, and I, and I think you know my my wife's cousin's um, a really big Evertonian, and he's he's just been messaging me and saying, "What's he like? What's he like?" And I, I've completely concurred with you, you know, Paul, in terms of your assessment that actually he he can get caught out positionally, and and he needs to work on that. But I guess my point is, and it, it kind of dovetails into what you were saying, Tom, is Everton seems like a really, really good fit for him because, you know, if you're going to need someone to to coach you defensively and to, to kind of tell you where to stand positionally and how to anticipate, you know, kind of forward movement, Carlo Ancelotti seems absolutely perfect. So I think if, if you're Godfrey's advisors, you're potentially saying, yeah, this is the move, you know, this is the, you know, it almost to me, in my mind, I, I get the point that you're making Paul about the fact that he might be better served with another year in the championship, but it kind of feels to me a little bit like James Madison where, you know, Leicester came in and again, it just felt like, yeah, that, that feels right. That feels yeah. right for that particular player. That, that was the point. <clears throat> Madison could have gone anywhere. I mean, Madison was so good. I mean, he was blitzing mm. the championship. He was obvious, you know, he, 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 he could go and demand a Premier League move and a Premier League starting position. You know, that, that was, that's the mm. difference, I think. And that would be the slight concern if I was Godfrey's people, like, you know, how much game time is he going to get? Because he does need to get it. But Everton yeah, no, is obviously not just going places. Yeah, no, mm. I, I, I completely agree, Paul. And, and just to, to reiterate what, what I preface that with, if, if you are going to go this window, then this would be probably 
the, the pinnacle of where I think he could probably go. Um, yeah. So, so I, I agree that of the, and I think, you know, we, we, when we talked about it in the season preview, we talked about of the, of the kind of crown jewels, who are the ones that you think are ready to go and, and all the rest of it. I, I've always thought that Ben will go because as you quite rightly said, he's being bigged up by, by certain pundits and, and, and clearly has got a very active team on, on his behalf. And, and I believe that he sees himself, you know, you can, you can kind of tell when they're, when all their social stuff is them in their England kit, as opposed to them in their club kit. That's, that says a little something. Um, I do think that he's got really high aspirations and, uh, and whilst I agree completely that you, um, that he could probably do with another season in, in the championship. And a lot of the stuff that looked really good in the Premier League was recovering from the fact that he was out of position. And the fact he was so fast probably got him out of more trouble than he would have been in if he weren't quite so quick at getting back. Because sometimes I think he did wander positionally. Uh, again, to go to your point, John, uh, Carlo Ancelotti might, may well, and his team may well help with that. Um, I do have an element that I, I feel like of the, of the players that we've got that are worth you know, between 15 and 30 million at the moment, Ben is the one where I think there is the potential that if we have that difficult season that Hannah has probably quite accurately predicted, and we were maybe a little bit too positive earlier in the season until actual football was paid, played, um, then, then he's one where the value might drop maybe slightly more than some of the others. Because if you are in a team that's conceding, you know, not, I, mean, I don't think we're going to be struggling in the bottom five or six, but you know, if you are in not winning all the time and you aren't able to um, uh, rack up lots of clean sheets and you're not able to step out, step out of defense the way he can in kind of a really, really advanced way. I think he did it once uh, at the weekend because we're not playing that kind of football as often, then maybe come January, come, come April, if we've finished eighth, ninth, then he's, he's probably not going to be worth the same as now. So I, I think there is an element that perhaps the club might think now is the time um, to, to uh, and you know, I, I think that's why they did go for Gibson because they were expecting, expecting Godfrey to go. I think it's interesting in, t- in terms of the stylistic point there that, that Hannah made. And I kind of, I, I get it. And I, and I think that there is going to be um, some kind of stylistic evolution this season. And, you know, and I, I've talked about that before as well. But I think Farker's really hamstrung at the moment that he just doesn't know what personnel he's going to be working with from kind of mid mid October onwards. So if he's planning for you know life without Todd Cantwell and, and Emmy Buendia, then actually the the type of football that you will be playing will subsequently be a little bit more agricultural because we're just not going to be able to to attract that caliber of of player to to play in the championship again. Um, equally, if he keeps one of those and maybe starts to reintegrate someone like Stephen to play in the 10 or when Kieran Dowell is back, you know, I think we've kind of forgotten about him because he's injured. He's that classy kind of number 10. Um, I think, I th- I don't know. I don't know whether the, the Poeta and the Hernandez stuff was out of necessity or whether it is definitely going to be that, that we're going to, um, to play, you know, kind of in, in, in more of a rigid way. I just think that the point that I was making previously when we were talking about the game was, it was just a bit weird in terms of the way in which we set up and it just didn't get the best out of Pookie. And then Tom, you'd said that, that Hugh probably was the, the more natural choice up front. And, and I'd be inclined to agree with that, but I just, I'm not sure quite yet that, that this is a jumping off point for Farkable 1.0. And, you know, and there is some kind of new um, evolved system that we're going to be playing. I think he's going to tinker over the next few weeks and probably look at the options that he's got and, and then try and, um, 
try and fuse us into some kind of attacking force because that's the thing like when we were we were still playing out from the back and although skip and McLean were trying to advance the ball quicker than perhaps we usually would have done in a, in a possession-based game. We were still trying to beat the press. The first 20 minutes of the Bournemouth game was essentially two sides just trying to beat the press and, and then advancing the ball up the pitch and, and not doing very well with it. Unfortunately, Norwich kind of carried on for that for, for the majority of the game, whereas Bournemouth carved out two or three really presentable chances. Um, so it's that bit that he's got to figure out. It's the, it's the final third. Everything else actually didn't look too bad on Sunday. Well, one one pairing that, if you uh, pay attention to social media, was was you know the worst two midfielders to ever play for the football club was Rupp and McLean. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty high on Kenny McLean generally, and I know that that he seems to be quite marmite. He he wasn't a couple of years ago, but but now that seems to be a a really brave thing to say out loud. Um, Rupp, I'm afraid I am in the camp of okay, yeah, he seems to run around a bit, but you know, so would I, you know, I, I don't currently cannot see how he is worth the, the shirt because I just don't think he's contributed in enough games other than a couple of shots straight at the keeper, which again, I, I could do for you if you wanted me to. Um, so, so Hannah, what about, what about Rupp and McLean? Do you think they were as deserving as their scapegoat status that they've, they seem to have acquired over the last week or so? Um, no, generally. Um, I mean, I'm I definitely, the more um, they get hammered, the more inclined I am to like them. Um, because I, I don't know, I'm a bit of a contrarian, I guess. And I, I just find, uh, I find it frustrating, I guess, because I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if we've seen enough of Rupp to judge still, you know, we've only ever seen him um, in a pretty dodgy Norwich side, unfortunately. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think he was, I thought he was good at the weekend actually. Um, and I did, I think that's the first time I really have seen um what he offers and what, what kind of player he is. Um, I think the, the big thing that, and the reason why they, Kenny as well, well, Kenny wasn't great at the weekend, but I think the reason why um, they get so much flack is just because they're not other players. You know, they, they really suffer in comparison and, and they aren't a kind of, um, you know, a Leitner who is just obviously so kind of classy and has an amazing, amazing passing range and um, just looks so elegant and or you've got like a Vrancic you can do again just you know spot um, an amazing pass and, and then pull it off as well like they they clearly don't don't have that they're much kind of um, they're less technical they're, they're much busier they're more physical Kenny in particular I think is, is pretty good aerially isn't he and I think that's why he was played a lot uh, last season because that was something we kind of lacked quite a lot um, so I, I feel bad for them both to be honest I, I don't I'm not sure they're deserving of, of the criticism they get but I do agree that together uh, I don't think they work you know they I think they are too similar um, and they both you know kind of buzz around a lot but don't necessarily do do a whole lot when they they play alongside each other but I think you know for, for one of them alongside of Ranchich or um, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe a skip or a Sorensen. You know, I, I don't. We haven't seen Sorensen, so I don't know what he's he's capable of at the moment. But I think there's a place for them. I just think not in the same team. I can't understand. Um, I can't understand how you can. Uh, not I mean you, Hannah. It's not your fault. I don't understand how how, how Farker or anyone can see the body of work of Rupp 
uh, and see the body of work of Vrancic and think that is you know Rupp needs to be ahead of him. I, I just cannot. It's just it's beyond me. Um, Vrancic has. But do got... you not think that? Do you not think that he's looked at that? And I, and I dis, I agree with what you're saying. I fundamentally agree with what you're saying. And I think Vrancic is is underrated in terms of how much he snaps into the tackle. Now I think he's really adapted to that in terms of um, being able to play in the championship. But I just wonder whether Farker kind of has that legacy of Vrancic in his head of of not being as that kind of combative midfielder that. But nor that he, Rupp. and he needed, or he nor wanted Rupp, a bit though, more. Mate. No, no, no. But but he absolutely is better at that than Vrancic. So he's better tactically I'm at not you sure know, being he is, disciplined. Buddy. He's well, I complete. You know, he's quicker than Vrancic. He's you know he's better when you know kind of we're without the ball than Vrancic. I would say, um, and you know, and he actually won quite a few tackles and rotated possession all right generally it was sideways or you know kind of five yard balls but he moved the ball quite quickly and I just wonder whether again it's you know this this the style that he was looking for on Sunday was to be a bit more solid and then suddenly he realized with you know what however long it was 25 minutes to go that that we did need a, a Mario Vrancic to um to to create the spark but um do you know what I'm, I think? I'm with, I'm I with think, Hannah I'm I with think... Hannah fully that I think we should <laughs> just start a Lucas Rupp um Appreciation Society, absolutely here and now. I'm, I'm completely yeah, with the it. idea of sticking up for for, for for Rook because you know I don't you know I I am not a fan of of piling on um, unless it's the manager because um, that goes with the territory. But I, I what I can't and you love doing it. I certainly do. But I what I can't what I just cannot abide is 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 just the. the I, I haven't seen Vrancic do enough, and I'm not anywhere near as big a fan of Vrancic as you, John, as, as has been well documented. You know, you, you, you know, you love the guy, absolutely, but, yeah, yeah, which is fine. And mm-hmm. but he, he, even though he isn't one one of the guys that I would put up there in in, in, in the upper echelons of those that took us to the title a couple of years ago, I don't know. It, it, it's just a real head scratcher for me, uh, Paul. To bring you back in on on and starting to look ahead to to the selection for Derby. Um, who, by the way, I did not expect when the fixtures came out to be coming to us on the back of scoring one goal in three games and losing three on the bounce. I mean, what a start Derby and Forest have had losing all of their games. Um, what, what would you, what would you do, or, and and what do you think Farker will do? Because you you've got to change it. You can't go again with the same eleven, surely. Um, uh, why not? I mean, uh, it's I, I the great thing is, you know, he doesn't. For him, I'm sure he's not thinking in these terms, but the great thing is for him, he doesn't have to worry about what the fans are going to say to him on Saturday because they're not there. So, you know, it's about it's about trying to sort of develop this pattern that he's going to want to kind of uh, carry out over the season, although it may be a bit too early for him to be able to do that because the window's still open and he'll probably be having to manage personnel issues as it goes. I mean, it's I, I this is where I have to confess I did not see uh, the game on Sunday. I thought it was on Sky. It wasn't. I had a cursory look for a dodgy stream and then I ended up doing childcare and, and that, that got in the way. So I've only seen the actual Preston game is the only game I've seen in full this season. But I kind of feel like if, if he is adapting horses for courses, then that's good. You know, I, don't, I think there's no chance of anybody binning Farker ball altogether. You know, I think your point about the academies is a good one and, and, and an illustrative one. It's about, you know, you have a, you have a, the team has an identity but it has to be adaptable to different circumstances. So, you know, if he thought that we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a classic Eddie Howe possession overload on us, well, let's see if we can, you know, given the circumstances that have just suddenly uh, appeared, let's see, let's, let's try and outthink them and, and hit him on the counter. And, and once, you know, that might, that, that was, uh, it might have worked better had Bournemouth not got the first goal in the first half. 
I think I think at the weekend he'll go back to plan he'll go back to plan A and you might even see you know you might even see Ida on and Pucky in the number ten and go back to a four two three one um, with Skip and McLean again and you know I think McLean is you know he's the mayor he remains the mayor of Norwich and uh, he uh, is important to this team but he hasn't been informed for a while and I think all of the qualities that he has I think he has a a broad range of qualities. Um, first and foremost being, you know, a kind of like a, a game intelligence to sort of kind of work out what, what is needed of him at a given time. I think his problem has been in the past year executing it consistently. And uh, I, I, think, I think he's capable of it, but maybe not capable of doing it consistently. But we need more of that from him. But I think you go back to the four-two-three-one, and, uh, you know, if, if, if Emmy's not sulking, if Todd hasn't been sold, you can maybe play them, you can bring back Steepy. Um, play one of the pacey, one one pacey guy, one player, one ball player, and you know, and and just go back to what we know because you're going to be facing opponents who are short on morale, short on players. You know, they got raided in there, Sheffield United, so they're going to be scratching, finding their way, and you know, we go back to what we know. What what about Boheta? You know, we we know what you get from from Hernandez, which is inconsistent end product, but you know often gets you off your seat and is is a real trier will workhorse and you know not very useful in in defence. You know, he has been the same pretty much all the time, um, and he's a bit of a fan's favourite because of because of the way he tries to play. Um, but what what about Boheta? How how impressed have, have you three been with him and, and his? Because he's had quite a few minutes so far this season. Obviously, Paul hasn't seen many of them. But but Hannah, John, what what do you what do you reckon of him? Um, I think well, the, what I've seen of him was really interesting. I, I thought on on Sunday. He was pretty poor, and I think positionally he was trying to work out where to play with with Kintia and and they never really kind of managed to to work that out between themselves. Um, but interestingly enough, when he came on against Preston, and maybe it was because it was you know kind of against tired legs, so you know he was a slight a slight advantage because of that. But everything he seemed to do were you know kind of seemed to to result in a moment. So even if it was flashing it over the bar or, you know, fizzing across into to Pukki, who, you know, was really unfortunate not to, to grab the winner, you know, kind of last minute, um, or to score in the goal, he just seemed to be in the right place at the right time to create something. And, you know, we that's the kind of player that, you know, if, if we're going to go for pace merchants, we, we do need a little bit of end product. And he seemed like, I don't know, there was... There was a bit there. Um, so in contrast, on Sunday, he, he didn't look particularly brilliant. But we've all seen that clip of, of him against Huddersfield. And, you know, when he kind of flicks the afterburners on and then he's, he's just shot through 30 yards, you know, kind of and, and left a, a defender kind of 15 yards in his wake. But I think there's, there's something there. I think there's something there that probably needs to be utilised off the bench a bit more for now if we've got enough, enough players to make up a, a decent starting eleven. Mm. Yeah. I, I think he he sort of has really, really good raw, um, I don't know, kind of instincts. And I think in moments when he doesn't have much time to kind of think, I think he's really good. Um, you know, like with his, with his goal, he reacted really, really quickly and, you know, got off a, a really good shot. And so I think technically he has those skills, but I just, when he has that kind of time and space and I, I feel like he doesn't quite know what to do um, with himself or with the ball and he does kind of um, yeah his positioning is, is a little bit strange and he tends to kind of uh, you feel like he he roams into spaces where where other players should be but yeah I think the raw material is is really good and really exciting so hopefully 
Um, I think you're right. I think at the moment he's an off the bench impact kind of player, but um, if he can be kind of developed and if he can learn those, uh, yeah, that, that sort of have a, have a better positioning um, sense and uh, then I think he could be really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about him. So Derby on uh, on Saturday, uh, we've talked a little bit about the formation. Uh, it'd be good to get some some predictions because Derby have lost three in a row. So along come Norwich, you would you know really expect them yep. to win. Um, let, let's have some some quick score predictions from you for for Saturday. Firstly, you Hannah. Oh God, I hate predictions. Um, let's go. Um, I'm going to go for a crowd pleaser, and I'm going to go. We're going to win three one. Okay, Paul. Um, yeah, I hate predictions too, but I'll go for a less crowd pleasing one all score draw. Uh, John, do, do you also hate predictions? <laughs> no, I don't mind predictions. Yeah, I quite like predictions. Um, cause I mean, we do, we do it every two wrong. weeks. Yeah, we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if you hate them, you really should have mentioned it by now. <laughs> and, uh, and I pretty much always get them wrong. I'm going to go for um, a two all draw. I'm kind of with Paul that it'll be a stalemate. I just think that Derby can't be that bad for four games in a row. And as much as I hope that they will be. Um, yeah, it's typical Norwich that, that they would turn in some kind of performance. But I was having a look at their squad. I mean, there's there's barely anyone there that you recognise now. I think it was Andre Wisdom, Rooney, and a couple of others that I was like, oh, I don't even recognise. They've got anyone. a lot of good. They've got a lot of good kids. Um, yeah, Lewis, Lewis, Lewis Sibley is a Lewis Sibley is a great player, and whatever his name is, Knight, who plays it's alongside Rooney in the centre midfield. Jason Knight. Mm. Yeah, Jason Knight. So, you know, they sold their two young fullbacks who were both excellent, but they've still mm. got more in reserve. And I agree. I think they'll raise it against us. And Jack Marriott, wasn't Jack Marriott the guy who scored loads and loads of goals for, was it Peter Peterborough? It? Peterborough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he looked like one of those that was going to kind of go up through the divisions and he seems to have stalled a bit. Well, he was, another, he was another, he was Wait, another big Frank Lampard signing. Yeah, yeah. Because I was trying to set a positive tone there with the prediction, and because I thought I was a bit down earlier on the on the tough season, and you've just completely um. Well, I'm, I think we're going to win four nil, Hannah. Ruined it. We're going to win four nil, Hannah. Four nil, Tom. Excellent. Well, I, I so Hannah, go on. <laughs> Hannah, are you saying you actually did think it was going to be a score draw, but you didn't? Want yeah, to say absolutely. It <laughs> yeah. I was going to go two all or one all, and then I yeah. thought, no, I'm going to. Yeah, going to well, go big. So good on you. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> She's working on this Eeyore brand that she wants to be as negative as she can. Um, <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, uh, we uh, as a uh, there's a there's a kind of concept in 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 team sports of, of a Jenga piece. Um, that that one player who, when you don't have it, everything falls over. Um, so a really really quick fire approach. Um, other than Todd and Emmy, uh, who we think you know, there's going to be an issue with with sulking, or there's an issue with maybe them, them going. And it's, it was very obvious on Sunday that they they were Jenga pieces to our creativity. Um, who who do you guys think if if they were to go, uh, you would really really struggle? You think for us to get someone in quickly enough, um, and you think that would really really disrupt the the team's promotion hopes this season? Coming to you first, John. Um, I think I'd probably go for Max Aaron's. I just think that. Well, one, we haven't got as much right-back cover as perhaps I'd have liked with the, the absence of, of Sam Byron at the moment. But he's been so good for the first three games. Um, and he just offers us so much defensively. You know, kind of he, he almost plays as a wing-back or sometimes as a winger. And he's just, every time I see him, I just think, you know, this kid is going to go to the very top. So I think, you know, if he goes, I just because Kintia, I know lots of people are raving about him, but I don't, his set piece is brilliant, but apart from that, you know, he's just kind of throwing balls in the box and, and actually, I, you know, 
we're not really getting on the end of them. So I think Max is much more considered in his approach um, and, you know, kind of will look for quick one twos or so. Yeah, definitely Max. But we're only, Byram should only be about four weeks away now. From next January, I think he's back. He's not going to oh, play it? this year. I think, yeah, I think he was, the, he'd had to have another op. Yeah, no, I, I was just looking at the, the article. Um, the article said it was a 12 week period of recovery. And yeah, was, I think that was, that was in August. There was a relapse, I think. So he had to have another yeah. operation, as I understand it. Oh, dear. He, he does seem to be in that cotton wool sort of. Yeah, he's a little yeah. bit broken, that boy. Yeah, Poor lad. He's a good player. Hell of a player when he was playing. He was keeping Jam out of the team. Um, so, yeah, uh, Paul, who, who do you think would be uh, a real a real issue to, to kind of oh, work through the season? Oliver without? Skip. Of course, I yes. Mean, it's not, not even our own player, but I just, you know, we, we, we had no central, you know, we had no DCMs or whatever you, you want to call them last season. We got in somebody else's one and looks like he's actually quite well suited for the role. Um, but if he goes, you know, Sorensen is untested in English football. Teddy is wonderful, but you know, one hundred and six. Yes, yeah. you know. Well, I, I thought I, you were going to say I, something I, bad about Teddy. There, I was going to get really angry. Paul. No, no, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting a third kit with Teddy on the back. I think for oh, his tenth nice. season, for a tenth season, I think that he deserves that. Um, uh, so yeah, um, but you know he he could his his knee could pop or something and that'd be mm. game over. So you know I think that that's the, the we, there was a problem. We've covered it. We can't really afford to lose that cover. He's I mean I've seen all three games. He's player of the season through three games. Uh, it's very early, but it, it, in all three games he has looked superb and 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 genuinely filled a such a glaring gap that was there last season and you know we, we all love Teddy but he, he isn't up to doing that in the Premier League and he can do it here and there in the championship um at this stage of his career um but yeah Skip Skip looks like an absolute steal um uh to, to have him on loan for the season and um, Hannah your, your Jenga piece to wrap, wrap this bit up mm-hmm. well I feel like it's a pretty obvious one um because uh we don't have um a very good backup for him, but Tim Krul. Uh, very good, I think. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look like we're going to lose him. I feel like I shouldn't have said that out loud because I've jinxed it. But um, yeah, I think you know he he has become so central. Um, He's an older player. Team. He's an older player. Do you start to get more injury prone? <laughs> oh God, what have I done? He's not old um, for the goalkeeper. It's fine. It's no, fine. he's fine. He's fine. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think he. Uh, I absolutely love him. I think we all do. He was incredible last season, and, and only seems to be getting better. And um, God forbid anything happened to him, because as much as um, Michael McGovern, I think, is is a very good bloke by the sound of things. He's, he's a top he's guy. Tim. He's no Tim Crawl. So yeah, and I would just like to give an honourable mention to Max. I think he he would definitely be my um, yeah, if, if we're allowed a second one, then I would definitely say him as well because he's just been been brilliant. He's going up in my estimations um, week by week, and he was already pretty pretty high up there. So, yeah, yeah, and and to round off the conversation about um, you know the the culture and the shit fits and the attitude, I think really even we don't know the full story both both sides or what have you, but. If anything, the fact that there does seem to be some bids coming in left, right, and centre for a few people, and some of them being, um, uh, well, media coverage-wise at least, Max, how well he has started compared to maybe some other people's um, temperament, it just, just speaks so highly of, of the young man. Um, so yeah, I think he's. I think he's the sort of person who, if he did then go in, in the next couple of weeks, it's almost like you think, well, fair play because you 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 gave your all right up mm-hmm. until um, you know the final minute you were a Norwich player. But if we've got him until say January, 
that doesn't half give me a lot more confidence going into um, a, a very, very difficult period of lots and lots and lots of games coming thick and fast. Let's open up the Along Come Norwich mailbag. John, please let me know what our friends have, have asked us uh, and what they've put to our esteemed journo guests today. Well, before we do that, I mean, I think we're probably contractually obliged to talk about the third kit a little bit. And, oh, well, it and just got a pop. It there. Yeah, it did. It's gorgeous, isn't it? There you go. So well, I think we should probably <laughs> say, full disclosure, that the, the club were kind enough to send us, and, and it seems like many other members of the, the local media, um, a couple of shirts and um, yeah, it is bloody lovely. I mean, I think I mentioned on the pods, probably the start of the season, wasn't it, Tom, that I thought Araya had kind of run out of ideas and, and actually they're both home and away kits were really samey to, to things we've done before. So I'm really pleased that it's just completely different and something that no one probably expected. So yeah, I'm well happy with it. It's also from a material point of view, when you get your Teddy shirt, uh, Paul, and I have actually seen uh, one of our uh, long-come Norwich mates has got Teddy on the back. Um, it, the material is fantastic as well. Um, it, it really is. It's different to the other shirts recently. Um, and uh, as I was <laughs> I was saying to a friend of mine um, who, who along with me go, goes on match days when we're allowed to, um, I think it might be a slightly less sweaty uh, edition of the football shirt and it might it might be less smelly uh, when it's under a jacket uh, on on maybe when you when you've got your when you've got your outfit slightly wrong and you thought it might be colder than it was going to be um it is genuinely lo- lovely and it's so nice to have something characterful i i do think that norwich as a team uh off as fans we really buy into having at least one bants kit uh, every season and I quite like it when it's our first kit I, I, I'd like us to be a bit bonkers but they've, they've really nailed this one so if, if it, we, we know that they do it on a three-year rotation in terms of safe uh, throwback uh, uh, kind of out there and that's kind of the the, the cycle that they're working on with the kits um, so uh, I'm not sure whether or not we get a, a throwback or a I think this one might be count as a throwback so therefore maybe we're getting the Bantz kit for, for the home, home kit next year um, but yeah absolutely top work uh, and with that, we'll move on to the, the mailbag. So first up, we have Liz Howlett on Twitter. And she's asked, can you see Tribal, Dermich or Leitner coming back to first team training? Looks like they're unlikely to go this transfer window. What do you reckon? Paul? Um, yeah, I could, yeah, I could see it. I could see it happening if the, you know, if the bridge is there. I think you'd have them around the place. I mean, it, it depends what, how they negotiated the, the ability to leave. But I can imagine... That um, with 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 tribal anyway, there's probably reasonable relations. I'm not sure about light. I'm not sure about Leitner, but Dermage is obviously banging him in in the reserves. So you know he might be he might be welcome back. Uh, I don't think it'll be a it'll be an egg on the face, but I don't think it's impossible. All right, we've got next up. We have Phil at the Dice Mechanic on Twitter, and he's asked. So this is a bit of would you rather? So you've got three different options here. You can keep Wendia if Rupp starts every game. You can keep Campwell if McLean starts every game. Or you can keep Godfrey if Zimmerman starts every game. Which, if any of those options, do you pick? That is Anna. one of the best ever questions we've had. Question, isn't it? That's yeah. a fantastic Anna. question. I mean, that's just um, one of the question of the week, I think. No doubt. Uh, I think... I mean, I feel like I've immediately forgotten all of those options, but I'm going to go with the last one. That sounded quite good because we get to keep Godfrey yeah. and Zimbo starts Zimbo every game. Zimbo starts every game. So yeah, that's fine. Four. I've got, I've got no issue with that. I think Zimbo um, has looked a little bit shaky maybe recently, but um, mm. I, you know, I've got faith in him. I think he, he'll be all right. 
Yeah, I've got faith in I've got faith in Zimmerman too. I think it's a bit mean on him, really. But I think I keep Campwell just because I want to keep Campwell. Okay, so that means McLean starts every game. Yeah, I think I mean, I definitely... I'm, a, I'm a Kenny Stan, so you know. Go, <laughs> there you go. Then. Go, well, go we'll keep Kenny, but yeah, and I'm a Rupp Stan, so uh, all of those sound pretty good. Oh, that, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's the hill you want to die on, Hannah. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you, Hannah. I'm with you, Hannah. <laughs> Team I mean, Rupp. I've already, I've, I've made my bed. I've, I've, I've yeah, that's, I think that's my, my allegiance, so I'm that, sticking that, with it. That's going to age as well as Vrancic for player, PFA Player of the Year. <laughs> Mate. Mate, I stand by that if he'd have started every game. Anyway, I think we're not going to get any better questions than that. And given that Paul needs to go, maybe we should try and get the quiz in quickly now if he can, if he can spare us another Go call. on then. I was trying to go early so that I could miss the quiz and therefore not prove how ignorant I thought we were going to miss the quiz too. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, well, it's time yeah, to miss the, <laughs> miss the quiz. Miss the quiz. Miss the quiz. No quiz. No quiz. It's time for the Long Come Norwich quiz. Uh, Hannah and Paul, uh, as regular listeners, you'll obviously know that you've got a minute to answer six questions. You'll also know that just like a sloping pitch, uh, it is factually inaccurate for all teams. Um, Hannah, you're going to go first. John, are you ready with a 60 second timer? Yes, Bert. Uh, don't forget your passes, Hannah. You can pass as many times as you want, and you can only give one incorrect answer before I'll move on, uh, and we'll go round again until you get all six right. I'm expecting big things from you, Hannah, and your time starts. Now, who was the last English manager to win the League Cup? Oh, pass. Name an Irishman to have won Newcastle United's Player of the Year award. Um, uh, pass. Name one of the seven UEFA nations to have never had a player represent them in the Premier League. Jesus Christ, pass. Name one of the three Jamaicans to score more than 30 Premier League goals. Uh, pass. Uh, before Pookie and Krull, who was the last non-British and Irish player to win Player of the Season at Norwich? Ooh. Um, Chatty? No, he's never won it. Pass. No, who did Norwich sign John Newsom from? Um, uh, Hull. Uh, no, uh, name an English <laughs> manager to win the League Cup with a North East team. Oh, um... In 2004, Hare Island. Uh, Oh, Stephen Caron. Yes. Uh, name an oh, Irishman. Fine. But you could, they, I, on reflection, they might have been quite hard questions. They were hideous, mate. That is horrendous. <laughs> Anna will never come back on. It sounded hard. It sounded hard. Brilliant. This has uh, been like a fine ACN day. I should have got the Irish one. Off. I should have got the Irish one. Well, you I've will. I've really got a ghost on to get worse than that, haven't I? <laughs> well, so it's one, one out of six. Street. I, You're I, welcome, Paul. Uh, can you think of an Irish goalkeeper who played for Newcastle for a long oh, time? Oh, Shay Given. Uh, yeah, he won yeah. it three times. Oh, you could sick. have had Rob Elliott, Kieran Clark, and Mick Martin, who I haven't heard of. Um, you could have had Andorra, Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Liechtenstein, Luxembourg, uh, Moldova, oh, and San Marino. Uh, anyone want to have a go at the, one of the Jamaicans to score 30-plus Premier League goals? Uh, I keep on thinking of a Ricketts, but it's not a Ricketts, is it? I was um, going to say Ricardo Fuller, but I don't even know if he's Jamaican. I don't think he was. He, wasn't he Trinidad and Tobago, Fuller? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, 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 Jason Ewell. Of course. Rob, good answer. Robbie Earl. Yeah, The one I thought was more obvious, actually, was Marcus Gale. He was Robbie one I thought. Australian. We nearly signed him, okay. Robbie Earl, back in the day. 
Well, he would. He got forty-five Premier League goals um, before Pookie and Cruel. Which defender from Cameroon was the player of the season? Seb. Oh, Seb Bassong. And we got uh, John Newsom from Leeds United. Aye. Okay. So, Paul, it's time for you to. I've got a fantastic tiebreaker. So, if you could all get one, that would be great. Um, <laughs> uh, it's your time. I, I might Paul. struggle. <laughs> <laughs> your your time starts now. Name a player to have scored a Premier League hat trick against Manchester City. Uh, yeah, Mo Salah. Uh, incorrect. Uh, which Southampton player has the most England caps? Southampton player has the most England caps in history. Yes. Um, not Letitia. Uh, no, he not, has eight. Uh, 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 Do you want to pass? pass. Okay. Yeah. Name a Norwegian with an FA Cup winners medal. Um, Alfinger Haaland. Uh, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, I've got to take your first answer. No. Uh, which Norwich City player also won a Leeds United Player of the Season award? Which Norwich City player also won a Leeds United Player Season Player of the Season award? Um, Newston. Incorrect. Uh, where from? Where did Norwich City sign Dion Dublin? Um, they signed him from Villa. Incorrect. Um, Okay, so I think you might have got none. Although I might, uh, I these might are give... bastard questions, mate. Honestly, these are hard. Although... ever done. No, carry on. Sorry. No, go on. No, I would have got it. I would have got it. I would have got it with Solskjaer. Yeah, Solskjaer. I'll, 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 I'll give you. I'll give I think, you, I'll he, give I think you that. he gets that because yeah, Hannah, Hannah did get a little bit of an assist on, on I got hers a lot of when I when I realised how badly I'd made the quiz too hard. Um, <laughs> No, so, yeah. that's a really good level of quiz. That's just bad on my part. I think that's a good quiz. Well, in fairness, good, quiz, bad, good quiz, bad me. If Mo- people are listening at home, yeah, they will quizzes. enjoy that quiz. Well, yeah. Mo Salah was a great shout, but you could have Jamie had... Jamie Vardy? Uh, yeah, twice. He just, did it. Oh, he just did it the other weekend. Oh, I, yeah. watched, just did it. I watched him do it. I watched him do it and thought. <laughs> yeah. I texted my mates and said, Vardy Masterclass. So I texted my mate, Vardy Masterclass. You and I couldn't even remember it by Wednesday night. <laughs> You could have had a Liverpool player very recently. Sterling? No, Sadio Mane. Mane? Yeah. Mane. Uh, you could have had Kanchelskis, Tony Cotti, Michael Owen, Alfonso Alves. Um, that would have been impressive. Uh, Gabriel Agbonlahor. Um, yeah, and then J- Jamie Vardy's done it twice. Um, Who's he- the lead? Leeds and Norwich player? Uh, uh, Howson, Mr. surely. No, Robert Snodgrass. Oh. How- so Howson was their captain, but he hadn't actually played. I don't think he'd even played like a full season in the team to to get player of the season. Yeah, um, he had a full season. Oh, had he? Okay. Well, not as captain, but anyway, that's not, not as important. captain. Yeah, yeah. Not not important. Uh, Peter Shilton is the Southampton yeah. player with the most England caps, uh, and cool. you, yeah, and obviously you've got Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. There's a few others: Tori Andre Flo, Ronnie Johnson, uh, John Arnarisa, uh, and then uh, Dion Dublin's previous club before Norwich was Celtic. Mm. 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 Uh, yeah, so they go. That's the villa was too obviously too early, but it was the only thing. I was under the impression that I needed to give quick answers, but I didn't. I could have just delayed, <laughs> waited, yeah. thought it through because I only had to get one right. Yeah. I could have taken forty-five seconds to answer one question. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't. I didn't really though, did I? You, You're just did. being kind to me because you want to do the tiebreaker. Uh, well, yeah, I need to get one to do the tiebreaker now. Well, no, no, two people have got a tiebreaker. Like if you get, oh, I'm basically, I'm just going to tell you you're wrong once you get to, once you get past one. Cheers, okay. mate. John, uh, you can time yourself because, uh, you know, we're on Zoom. Uh, your time starts now. Aside from Gerard and Owen, name a Liverpool player to have scored more than 10 goals for England. Ooh, probably Fowler. 
Incorrect. Who is the first non-British and Irish player to win a League Cup medal? Um, Ozzy Adiles. No. Name a Danish player to score more than 10 Premier League goals. Nicholas Bentner. Correct. After Harry Kane, who has scored the most England goals under Gareth Southgate? Sterling. No. Who won the Player of the Season award in between the two Darren Huckabee awards? Um, Craig Fleming. Incorrect. Where was Lee Croft on loan before he signed for Norwich from Manchester City? Oldham. Correct. Uh, aside from Gerard Noem, name a Liverpool player to have scored more than 10 goals for England. Mm. Well, he was playing for Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, uh, yeah. Raheem Sterling I'll go for again. No, still. Uh, who was the first non-British and Irish player to win a League Cup medal? No, pass. After Harry Kane, who has scored the most England goals under Gareth Southgate? Oh, on time. Time, time, time. Okay. So you have got two. So you, you, you have one in your own right. Uh, the the Wrong two... time to victory. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> do, you, do you guys want to have a guess at the Liverpool striker? Emil Heskey. Uh, no, Peter Crouch. That scored was, 13 goals. Mm. Uh, who is the first non-British and Irish player to win a League Cup medal? It was in 1982. He was a goalkeeper. Uh, for Liverpool Bruce yeah oh. uh, later followed by quite closely by Dennis Van Wyke for Norwich in 1985 nice. um, yeah Nicholas Bentley you got right uh, Marcus Rashford is following Harry Kane in the goals un under Gareth Southgate uh, Gary Doherty was in a sandwich with Darren Huckabee player of the season awards amazing amazing um, so I'm going to give you the tie break anyway um how many, because it only takes a second, how many past and present football league clubs have had ham somewhere in their names? H-A-M, ham. How many past and present football league clubs have had ham in their names? Uh, John, as the winner, you can go first with your tie break. I want a specific number, please. Oh, that's horrendous. Past and present. Um, nine. Hannah? Oh my, I was going to go way bigger, so let's go I'm an idiot eight? go way bigger than yeah <laughs> don't listen to me <laughs> how many did you 17. say Hannah? 17 17 and yeah. Paul I'll just say three because those are the only ones I can think of right okay Th three is quite low um it, the answer is 16 so Hannah you're so close oh, I'm well going to give you a joint win with with John um oh, but, that's Birmingham City. Hey, you, you can do that. I update the website. So, you know. Dagenham and Redbridge, Durham City, <laughs> Fulham, Gillingham, Northampton Town, Nottingham Forest, Oldham Athletic, Rotherham County or United, Southampton, Thames Association, Tottenham Hotspur, West Ham United, Wolverhampton Wanderers and Wrexham. To be fair, there's a lot more than I thought. There's more than three. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Paul. Thank you so much for your time, Hannah. John, I appreciate you have also been on this call. Thank you very much for listening. And hopefully we will be having my prediction or Hannah's prediction for a win this Saturday against Derby. Enjoy the game and mind how you go.